Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast, The Towel in the Basin. This is Jamie Dew. I'm the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College. This podcast, as you know, if you're listening to this or have listened to it before, is it's really designed to help you think about your faith and to live out your faith. So we, we tackle all sorts of topics, from biblical ones, theological ones, practical ministry ones. Uh, what I'm interested in and what I hope you're interested in is thinking well and rightly about what we believe, but then also executing and living that out as faithfully as we can. So uh, this semester, we're in the middle of a series on essentially the, the Bible itself, the Old Testament, New Testament. Obviously, we can't cover everything, but just bringing in some of my colleagues and some of our faculty here at NOBTS and one or two uh, outside of our school, just to help us think about various biblical topics and issues that that Bible readers, faithful Bible readers would want to know about. So I got my buddy, Alan Bandy, in the studio. Alan, good to see you again. Good to be here. Uh, Alan and I have known each other for about 14 years. Uh, We were together at another school years ago. We brought him here to NOBTS a little over two years ago. He and his wife, Nico, and five children. What are your children's names again? Uh, Alex, Josiah, Victoria, Mackenzie, and Titus. All right. Shout out to them in case they're listening to you. You know, I don't know if your kids are like, mine probably won't listen to any of this, but you know, it's okay. Um, But anyway, uh, I'm so grateful for you. You've been everything I thought you'd be when I, when we brought you here and, uh, and I thought you'd be a lot. So uh, a wonderful biblical scholar, New Testament in particular, he does a lot of work in the book of Revelation, John's works, and then the apostle Paul. In fact, those are probably outside of Jesus. Those are probably the big two, right? In yeah. terms of biblical New Testament studies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've written, you've published a book, uh, you've published a, a few things on Paul, uh, but The Illustrated Life of Paul. Is that with Zondervan? Is that correct? Baker. Baker. Okay. Okay. That's with Baker. So if you're interested in more things on these topics that uh, Alan and I are going to talk about today, you can go to Amazon and his last name is spelled B-A-N-D-Y, Alan Bandy. And you can find that book. It's a fantastic resource. It's not huge, so you should be able to get through it. Um, all right, let's talk about the Apostle Paul. Okay. Outside of Jesus, greatest missionary, theologian in the history of the church. Uh, he wrote not quite half our New Testament uh, that we have today. And uh, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Um, and maybe half if you count Hebrews. But... Um, Man, that's an important figure for us. So let's talk about the Apostle Paul for just a second. I think most people, when they think about Paul, they immediately think about Romans and Galatians and Ephesians, which are rich theological works and letters. Um, So is he primarily a theologian? Is that what Paul is? Yeah, I would argue that I think Paul is primarily a missionary slash pastor. Okay. Um, deeply theological. I mean, the guy was was brilliant, had mm-hmm. the equivalent of a PhD of his day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, deeply read in the the scriptures of Israel, our Old Testament, mm-hmm. and and a, and a phenomenal interpreter of Jesus. Um, but so he's definitely has the theological chops. Okay. Um, and has contributed to our own theology as Christians mm-hmm. and understanding who God is in the gospel. But I, I think if you were to ask Paul, he would mm-hmm. see himself as one called to be an apostle and in that missionary role of 
building and establishing the church okay. to the ends of the earth. Right. And he goes on two, three missionary journeys. Where else does he go? You've been to a lot of those places. Yeah. You lead tours in those places. Yeah, yeah. I've been to, to, to most of the places except for um, Italy okay. and Spain. <laughs> which is the question mark fourth missionary journey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so most of his journeys um, would be in modern-day Turkey. Okay. Um, so all the, the churches of Galatia are in central Turkey, Ephesus, and, and Philippi is Macedonia slash Greece. Um, but, but, yeah, so I've been to several of those places, um, and he made multiple trips where he goes back and revisits Mm-hmm. the same cities, and mm-hmm. then establishes new churches in different places. Um, but Paul, I think, was driven by that calling, uh, even what, what what Jesus gives in Luke one eight, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think mm-hmm. Paul was, um, he even tells the Romans, um, I'm going to come to you on my way to Spain. Well, Spain, in Paul's day, was the end of the earth, hmm. you know, because once you get past Spain, you get the Atlantic Ocean. Um, hmm. And there is, um, I at least make it in my book, make a case that Acts ends with him in house arrest. I believe he was released after that, not executed, hmm. um, and went on further journeys. Um, which would have been Spain. Which would have included Spain. Okay. And there is some kind of tradition historical evidence within Spain itself that Paul established a church there. Wow. So um, so I think on his fourth missionary journey, he went to Spain and then went back. He visited Crete, where he left Titus um, to serve as the, you know, the one to appoint elders. Right. And then revisited some of the churches that he established in prior Now, you say you make a case for that in your book. I take it from that. I assume from that 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 means a lot of folks just think it ends there for him in Rome. He's executed. Yeah, yeah, because Acts ends on a cliffhanger. Right. right? I think that's intentional, right? I think it ends with the phrase, and Paul preached the gospel unhindered for two years. Mm -hmm. Um, But judicially... In order for his case to go to trial, his accusers would have to come to Rome and um, stand trial before the emperor. And his accusers were those Jews in Jerusalem hmm. that tried to mob riot him to death. Right. But because he was a citizen, he went to Rome. And there's no evidence that, that they ever came. They ever went. Huh. And so if they never came, which is why he would have been in house arrest for two years. Is if his case never went to trial, it would have been dismissed, hmm. and then he would have been released. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, I put his death um, around sixty-eight, okay, sixty-seven, sixty-eight after the fire in Rome, which is AD sixty-four, uh, when Nero started blaming the Christians and killing them. Yeah, um, which would gives depending on. Where you end the book of Acts, which I, I put it in the early 60s, gives Paul at least three or four years of ongoing missionary activity. I guess he could have written more things. We just have no record of him or anything else well, like that. Well, I think we do. Um, so I pieced together that last couple of years in the pastoral epistles. Hmm. 
because he talks about his journeys. He talks, he even says, hey, can you go to Alexander Troas and get my parchments and scrolls? Well, he had to go back there and leave them there. He talks about going back to Miletus, going back to Corinth, um, and um, sending for Timothy in Arilicum, which is modern-day Albania. Hmm. Um, so I think he had ongoing activity. I think he went back to Rome when the persecution started because he was concerned for the Roman Christians, and there was rearrested and killed, most likely writing Second Timothy okay. just before he's killed. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, so from your seat, he's— <clears throat> While he does great theology, he, we should think of him primarily as a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see examples of that mm-hmm. in any of his writings where he, he kind of thinks and operates that way? Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think most of his letters, in fact, all of his letters, um, minus, say, the pastoral epistles, but even then it's missionary-focused, right? Mm-hmm. There it's about um, strengthening and and helping those churches where he leaves Timothy and Titus, uh, Titus to help build things there and, and in his stead, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So missionary is clearly kind of the the framework that we're operating from. But 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 I use the term pastor because Paul, as he's going and establishing congregations, he's not content just to let them flounder on their own, right? Which is why we have all these letters. Um, these are his emails, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, this, these are his cell phone calls. So right. these are conversations he's having with these people. Right. Um, so Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is kind of my go-to. Um, I think First and Second Thessalonians is another good example because he had to flee from them shortly after they became believers because of persecution – and he's concerned that as new Christians, they're going to experience some persecution. So he sends Ty- uh, Timothy back to find out how they're doing. Hmm. And then when Timothy comes back and tells them what's going on and what they're dealing with, Paul writes his letters to help sort things out. Yeah. Um, so Corinthians really serves as, as like my go-to, partly because Corinthians... Um, I think they're all pastoral in focus, right? So he is dealing with the- theology, right? Right belief leads mm. to right action. But all of Paul's epistles have an occasion. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he's writing. Right. He's not just wanting to pen really good theological treaties. He's dealing with real-world problems that these new believers are struggling with. Yeah, it's almost like in the Corinthian letters, they've written to him with a bunch of questions about yes. a variety of topics. Yes. And he's just kind of systematically going through each one of them. Yeah. All, eating meat offered to idols. Can women prophesy and do they have to have their head covered? And Exactly. You know, sectarianism and all these different kinds of things. Yeah. So Paul spent about two years in Corinth initially. Hmm. Um, and then while he's on his third journey and he's in Ephesus, he tells us, um, in chapter 1, verse 11, that some people from Chloe's household came and told them, told him about the, the divisions within the church. Yeah. And I think that's what prompts him to write. And, and, and so the first several chapters are all about working through those divisions. It's not Paul or Apollos or Cephas. It's, right. it's we're all servants, and it's Christ, yeah. right? Um, 
And so Chloe's household, Chloe is likely somebody from Corinth who was probably a wealthy believer who had a home big enough for a church to meet there. Mm-hmm. And so some people from that household went to Ephesus to tell Paul about this problem. Um, and then he tells them um, in dealing with some of the other issues like sexual immorality and lawsuits, but dealing with sexual immorality, he tells them in chapter 4, verse 9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, which mm-hmm. is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because this tells us, wait a minute, when we're reading 1 Corinthians, this is not Paul's first letter right. to the right. church at Corinth. Yeah. So he had already written them a letter kind of giving them some instruction, especially dealing with sexual immorality. And once again, in the real world context, right, Corinth would be equivalent to a Bourbon Street. Right. Or Las Vegas. <laughs> or Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, very saturated in that Greco-Roman uh, immorality, religion, practices. Yeah. These believers, while many of them were Jewish, a great many of them were Gentile. Yeah. And so they're dealing with problems that Jesus doesn't address because Jesus is speaking to faithful Jews in Israel, mm-hmm. right, during mm-hmm. his ministry. So he is thinking, I think, very theologically and very biblically about how to deal with, well, what do you do when prostitution is a normal part of life? What do you do when you have uh, multiple temples and food, and the only way to get meat is to buy it from a marketplace where the meat was sacrificed to an idol? Mm -hmm. And is it okay to eat it or not, right? So all of these issues that they're struggling with, because in their background, they weren't churched, right? Right. (laughs) <laughs> they're coming at it with that raw ugliness that <laughs> that paganism brings. Yeah. And that's influencing how they're living, even the divisions. Um, public speaking was considered um, kind of like a form of entertainment. Yeah. And good public speakers were paid highly, and it was very valued. Paul frames himself as not a good public speaker compared to Apollos. Right. And so people are rallying around their favorite speaker, right? Um, And so uh, he hears about the problems, and then he also mentions that he had another group from Corinth come visit him, of Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus, and, and, and they come with a list of questions, so the first kind of part of uh, of Revelation, of First mm-hmm. Corinthians, is dealing with this, the report he got from Chloe's household, and then the latter part, and he uses the phrase, now concerning, now about this, and it goes from everything to marriage, divorce, what to do with the unmarried women, right. should they seek a husband, and so forth, right. um, should you eat meat sacrificed to idols, and all the kind of the ethical implications of that. Right. Um, and then even into the problems where they were confusing the Lord's Supper yeah. with yeah. kind of the social distinctions between the haves and the have-nots, and yeah. they were mischaracterizing it. And then the the, the concerns about even the what, what does good orderly worship that honors God look like. Right. And clearly there was some dispute where certain spiritual gifts were valued over others, and it was kind of chaotic, and so Paul's providing that, 
right? So he really goes through, and then at the very end, he mentions, hey, I'm collecting money to take to our brothers in Jerusalem to help the poor there, um, and gives them some instruction hmm. about, hey, I'm going to come back and visit you um, and, and collect this. But between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there's another couple visits and letters where things go worse. Hmm. Um, and so Paul has this deeply committed, loving relationship with the people of Corinth, but it's rocky. And so what I love about the Corinthian letters is you can see his heart, his passion, but he's also like, hey, stop being stupid, yeah. right? Stop doing these things. And eventually... They all work it out. At InnoBTS and Level College, our mission is to prepare servants to walk with Christ, to proclaim His truth, and to fulfill His mission. If God's calling you to take your ministry a step further, let us help. Visit us at InnoBTS.edu. So essentially, he's a missionary interested in helping the church take root and believers live faithfully. Yeah. That in and of itself leads him to thinking about ethical issues, theological issues, and so short. So this brings us back to the theological impact, right? Yeah. So while he's not primarily a theologian, he's a missionary instead, he does have massive impact for us theologically, Absolutely. precisely because he has to answer those questions. So talk to us for just a few minutes here about, before we close up, Talk to us about his theological importance. What does Paul do for us in his New Testament letters? Well, certainly. Um, you know, what we have in the Gospels is we have the life and the ministry and the teachings of Jesus, the core foundation, the central tenet of what Christianity is, is following and knowing and loving Christ. Um, what we get with Paul, right, if the Gospels are the skeleton, the foundation, the core, mm -hmm. what we get with Paul is the fleshing it out, okay. putting meat on That's those good. bones. Yeah, And so we have Paul, an interpreter of Jesus, an interpreter of Scripture, showing us the full theological impact mm -hmm. to say Jesus is the Son of God. Well, what does that mean, right? Yeah. And to say you're, you're saved by faith in him. You're justified by faith in him. What does that mean? And how does that relate to keeping Torah and yeah. the law, right? And so Paul is and has this elevated Christology and this high view of, listen, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, you're saved not because of anything that you've done, mm -hmm. right, in the way that people tend to define themselves, but we're all saved equally through Christ, circumcised and uncircumcised, Jew, Gentile, right, slave, free. Right. Um, so he gives us this kind of the fully fleshing out of what the implications of the gospel are. But we also have with Paul, when you look at Christian theology, I mean, historically, much of that theology, the beliefs that we hold essential we get from Paul's letters, hmm. right? Right. right. Um, so Romans, in particular, mm -hmm. um, Romans often is is called the Constitution of Christianity, yeah. right? We, it's it's so rich and deep, um, 
And and so Paul provides us with these um, not just real-world practical understandings of how we should live, but also the truth that should set us free. Yeah. So the, the, the doctrine to help us understand how it is we relate to God and how we come to God, but he's also doing the theological and ethical work to help us figure out in the Corinthian letters, for instance, how, in fact, we're going to live this out in a faithful, consistent yeah. way. So you have some books that are like the Romans that talk a lot about salvation or what we call soteriology. You have some that are much more boots on the ground, rubber meeting the road, like the Corinthian letters. And Galatians might go in that first crowd thinking about, you know, how we how how we relate to God. But then you have some like Ephesians. It's yeah. almost like 50-50. Three chapters, here's how salvation works and how you relate to God. Now here's how you live it out. You yeah. know? So you have a little bit of both doing that. Yeah, is that the right yeah. way to look at it? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is correct. And Paul typically, especially in those those significant works like Romans and Ephesians. Paul gives us a signal when he switches from theology to application, hmm. right? Because usually it's the phrase, therefore. Therefore, yeah. Right. So Romans, it's theology up through chapter 11 and then yep. 12, 1. Therefore, yep. by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifice. Right. Where he then gets into the practical outworkings of right. that. Hey, man, super helpful, yeah. and I uh, appreciate you being here. Again, if you want to check out his book, uh, go to Amazon. It's with Baker. It's The Illustrated Life of Paul. Uh, Dr. Alan Bandy here with us, and brother, we really do appreciate having you here at My NBTS. Pleasure. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody, this is Jamie and Joe again. If you like this podcast, would you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? That helps other people find it. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear about them. Just go to jamiedo.com slash questions and send them in that way. And we'll take a look at the most frequently asked questions and give them a shot.